being told you've received $100,000 was the worst thing that could have ever happened to my health. Welcome to Gut Check Radio, the health and wellness podcast giving you the confidence to trust in your gut. I'm your host, Dr. Nick Belden, a board-certified chiropractic physician and functional medicine practitioner. And just for those of you who are aware, the contents of this podcast are for educational purposes only and are not intended to diagnose or treat any condition and do not apply any of this information you hear in this podcast without first speaking with your physician. What's going on, Gut Check Radio listeners? Welcome back to another episode. It's your host, Dr. Nick here. And today is going to be a solo sode like no other. Today we are going to explore my IBS, Hashimoto's, and really what I feel as the most gut check moments along my health journey. I was recently on a podcast by a former podcast guest, Amy Vanderlinden, or that was back in December, I was on her podcast and I actually went back and listened to it. You know, some people don't like to listen to their sound of their own voice. Sometimes I like to listen and pick up on things, but I was listening and she asked me a question around my story within functional medicine and my own health. And I gave her an answer, and as I was listening to it, I thought, you know, there's there's really more to that story that I should explore and unpack, and maybe I should write all this down and really give a timeline. That way I'll know it for myself, but then I can relate it to people and ultimately the audience members of this podcast. It seems as though a lot of people's journey to functional medicine starts from essentially overcoming their own health complications. They get XYZ autoimmune condition, they get XYZ gut issues, They do some testing, they find a practitioner, and they start feeling better, and they feel this huge compassion and this utter compulsion to start going to help people. That's really cool. My story is actually, it's a little different than that. I actually have been blessed to be pretty healthy for a lot of my life. And at the time in my life where I decided to make the career change from corporate finance into chiropractic and functional health, I was already healthy. I just thought it was cool to be able to take tools of health, of nutrition, stress management, exercise, lab work, supplementation, gut health, blend that all together and be able to help coach somebody through that process, I just thought was super cool. And it wasn't until I actually started to study health and function that I became in ill health and dysfunction. And I'm going to start us off with a story that will always stick out in my mind is sort of the, you know, some people have their breaking point or some people have their quote unquote rock bottom as they like to call it. And here's what mine will be. So it was around 1 a.m. It was my first spring break in grad school. So we we had been going at it pretty hard with our academics for about a year. Finally time for a week long spring break. Some people at this time were still deciding to go on spring break trips. I just thought it'd be cool to you know be able to sleep in a little bit more, be able to work out when I wanted to, be able to read the things I want to directly unrelated to school. It was really fun. But there's this one night, again, it's 1 a.m. I'm lying in bed wide awake. And my mind just, for the life of me, could not stop racing. And I I was trying everything up until this point. I mean, I'm learning about all this stuff. And I had never really struggled with insomnia or sleep issues. So I had, I did all the basics. I went, I did meditation before bed. I counted sheep backwards. I even, you know, I took enough magnesium that it could fill an entire sandbox. You know, I was, I was checking all the boxes, but nothing would ease my mind. My mind at this time only wanted one thing, donuts. 
And I'm not talking about getting in a car and doing a bunch of donuts because I'm not that skilled of a driver. I'm talking about the high sugar, high fat, highly palatable, sometimes incredibly tasty donuts. So I drive to Walmart, the only place I knew that would be open that late, and I picked up a six-pack of donuts, a four-pack of blueberry muffins, and a bag of Reese's Covered Pretzels. Once I brought it all home, I ate it all within 10 minutes. I had so much reflux and felt so uncomfortable that night in my bed that I barely slept a lick that night. And unfortunately, at this time, nights like this had become more of the norm than the exception. And it only worsened when I learned that I had received a full ride, full tuition paid scholarship for my entire time at grad school, worth north of $100,000, especially if you take into consideration student loans and paying back the interest on those loans. There was one caveat to this. I had to maintain a certain GPA. I did not feel confident in my abilities to maintain that GPA. So when they told me that I had won the scholarship, you know what my immediate reaction was? It wasn't happiness, it wasn't fulfillment, it wasn't rejoicement, it was fear. And I remember it same, just like I do remember the going to Walmart at 1 a.m. story, just like it was yesterday. I got in my car to go home and it was raining outside at the time and I bawled. And I bawled for at least five minutes in my car by myself. And prior to that, I called my mom and told her that I'd won the scholarship. And she reacted as any mother would to hear that, hey, your entire tuition for the rest of your time at grad school just got paid for. She couldn't have been more belated. She couldn't have been more excited for me and so happy and so thrilled. And she said all the, the great things of good job, honey, you deserve this, you work for it because you know you had, to, you had to have a certain GPA your first time at grad school, then you had to write an essay. So it, was, it wasn't an easy process by any means to acquire this scholarship. And honestly, I had arrived at a point with my academic career where I was okay with not being quote unquote perfect and getting straight A's on paper. And I had just come to terms with this a few days prior to receiving this news that I was going to get the scholarship and then have to maintain the subsequent GPA. And I really, I I had put too much pressure on myself to be perfect, not only in school, but at the same time, as I'm learning about all these things related to health, nutrition, exercise, I thought I needed to be perfect with my nutrition. And really that caused me to break time and time and time again. And that's ultimately what led me to develop what in hindsight was definitely a binge eating disorder. I mean, I was looking through the diagnostic criteria for it this morning and I fit every category. I was eating more than comfortably or eating more than I normally would. I would eat it in less than 10 minutes. I would eat it by myself. I would have tremendous amount of shame and guilt after doing it. It was foods I normally wouldn't eat. It just wasn't who I was as a person at all. And I, I, I would feel so ashamed, man. I would remember something, you know, I would get a, a C on a test after I got the scholarship and I immediately would think, oh man, you know, I don't, there it is. I'm, I'm not confident. And I would run to the nearest grocery store. It could have been 1am, could have been 1pm. And I would get a whole bunch of highly palatable foods, donuts, chips, cookies, cake, and just crush it and crush it with within 15 minutes as fast as I could and then would beat myself up for it. And this cycle just continued for the better part of a year throughout graduate school. And one of the real interesting things was at the time, as I'm learning about all this in nutrition, I was 
experimenting or trying to experiment with being 100% paleo, keto, or even carnivore. And prior to graduate school, when I decided I wanted to make the recurrent the career transition was when I actually felt my most healthy. I had a great relationship with food. I didn't binge eat. I would go out on the weekends. I would hang out with friends. But it was almost this combination of trying to be perfect with my nutrition and then ultimately developing this scholarship that really just pushed me deeper into my shell. And it was through no fault of the school or of anyone in particular other than me. And it was just the situation in which my body was put into. And between the combination of the emotional stress that I was putting myself under and the, the chemical stress by eating you know, incredibly highly palatable foods that were high sugar, high fat, low protein and low carb, or excuse me, and low fiber, I was starting to develop some fatigue. And you know for darn sure I was beginning to develop some digestive issues. Bloating, gas, I was always more on the constipated front than more so on the diarrheal end. And I, de I developed so much digestive issues and just so much scarcity around food that I would I resorted to only eating one meal a day for a couple months. And I would, it was honestly, it was, it was good food. It was paleo certified, quote unquote, or whatever buzzword, GF, DF, whatever you want to call it. But I was still eating it in sort of the same mentality and mindset of when I would binge eat. I was eating it in this mindset of, you know, I need to eat this fast. And this food is the only pleasurable thing that I do. And this food is, is my release, my escape from everything else. And having work, worked with enough people now, it could be food. It could be money. It could be, could be, could even be exercise, but we all have the thing that we feel like we need to escape to. And as we'll get into later in the story, I eventually found the thing that was most beneficial for me and needing to quote unquote escape. I mean, the word escape implies that you're living in a less than desirable state. And at the time I was, but I think switching that mindset to, I don't need to escape, I need to evolve. And as I'm learning about labs, I'm learning about the thyroid, I'm learning about the GI, I'm learning about metabolic health. It wasn't until I got my first extensive blood work panel that I realized the internal ramifications of my binge eating behaviors and three particular things really stand out to me of the things that I noticed or that I saw from this lab work. Number one was low testosterone. And as a 25 year old male who was eating high protein most of the time and who was strength training five days a week, you know, I'm thankful that throughout this entire journey, I never stopped working out. Working out has always been my meditative practice and I, I never got rid of that. And I, here I am strength training five days a week doing what I thought was good programming, and I still had low testosterone. And I'm a 25-year-old male. I mean, if nothing else, this was just mildly upsetting, and if anything, incredibly frustrating. It was a big hit to my ego. I also had the diagnostic criteria for Hashimoto's. I had TPO antibodies, which for those of you listeners who are unfamiliar, TPO is an enzyme called thyroid peroxidase. It's a really fancy word. Essentially, it just helps in the production of thyroid hormone, and it is the blood marker we run or it's the number one cause of low thyroid is Hashimoto's and Hashimoto's is diagnosed by running antibodies to these thyroid peroxidase enzymes. And my antibodies were over 500. That was a big deal. You know, I, as I was learning about this, I thought, man, that's like, what's going on? What, what's, what's contributing to all this? And I also had low T3. Now to be diagnosed formally as hypothyroid, you have to have low free T4. We don't need to get into the semantics as much of the thyroid today. I have previous episodes on that, but I had low T3, both free and total. So by all intents and purposes, 
my labs are a mess. My hormones in particular are a mess. My immune function seemingly is, is a mess. And honestly, for me, it, it, I always tell people, you know, if you want to learn about yourself and you want, if you're a student or you want to learn more about lab work interpretation, run it on yourself because you will never have a greater attachment to data than to your own data. But for me, these results just made me feel more stressed, more insecure, and honestly, unworthy. And I also continued my binge eating throughout this entire time. And my grades, I talked about earlier, I had to maintain this certain GPA. My grades started declining and were getting closer and closer below that scholarship threshold. And then came one of the more pivotal moments in my healing journey. I went on a date with my now wife. And at the time, little did I know how lonely I was and how much I was craving deep, intimate human relationships. I mean, literally the day prior to going on this date, I I will never forget this day either. I have a lot of days, you know how you have those days that stick out to you because they, you can never imagine your current self engaging in these activities. I had a day of eating where I ate 9,000 calories of all gluten-free desserts. And I know this because I tracked every bit of it on MyFitnessPal. <laughs> so I, I never understand why I went through the effort to track it all. I think I... I just wanted to know. I, I'm i a little neurotic sometimes in my ability to, to track things. And I wanted to see the equivalent amount of food I was eating. I wanted to actually track it calorically. And it was easy because it was all prepackaged, highly, you know, highly packaged, you know, excuse me, highly processed prepackaged food. So I tracked it. It was 9,000 calories, but it was all gluten free. And I honestly was also testing this experiment of I don't think gluten is the demon it's been made out to be. And we'll put a pin in that more on that later on but it, literally this was the day before that date and it was that next day i woke up and i just i was ready for something i was ready for new opportunities new situations and the opportunity came up to go on a hike with my now wife and typically i would have said no to something like this i was very reserved i was very quiet i was very to myself but for some reason i said yes that day and my whole thing with the people i work with is you know, simple changes in your daily routine, making profound impacts on your life. And for me, it was saying yes to going on this hike. And as we started to hang out, she opened up my world to what the word health actually meant, what it meant to be healthy. Before, I thought it was all based on eating the right amount of macronutrients and micronutrients, what your sleep hygiene looked like, how many days a week you strength trained. But then after hanging out with her for a little bit, I realized, you know what it really means to be healthy? You know, how do you care for your family? How many people can you depend on? How many people depend on you? And ultimately, how many people can you serve? And how can you use your life to serve others instead of serving yourself? I was only serving myself. I wasn't really using my abilities to work with anybody. And that's, I think that's what got me the most is I felt like when I received this scholarship that in order to maintain the CPA that I was half, that I was going to have to get incredibly selfish, excuse me, selfish, the most selfish I'd ever gotten in my life. And it just felt out of character from where, you know, spirit, soul, my internal drive was guiding me. And she has one of the best relationships with food of anybody I've ever met. And she has so much intuition 
about how much food she needs to eat and when she's hungry, when she's full, when she's had enough. And I just, for me, that was so different because I was used to either tracking so much or I was vilifying foods. So I would, I would just eat what I put in my bowl. If you put more in my bowl, I would keep eating. And I, like I said, did not have great relationships with food. But on my relationships with health and with food and the behaviors and practices associated with it did improve while we were together initially, but my binge eating didn't completely subside. You know, before hanging out with her, I probably would be binge eating once a month for a couple of years. And that definitely contributed. And what I now see is a lot of the autoimmunity, a lot of the IBS type symptoms, because we know eating high sugar, high fat, low protein, low fiber will create a state of dysbiosis. And even as little as seven days of eating that way will lead to dramatic alterations within the GI tract. And for me, I was, I mean, I was crushing easily 10,000 calories a night at worst once a week. So I was engaging in these habits way too frequently. And in the 18 months after meeting her, it was only four or five times that I, I actually binged eat. I say the word only, but that's still four or five more times than I would have liked to. So it was a very dramatic improvement, but I wanted it to get down to zero. And I was, as I'm improving my relationship with food, I thought my physical health would improve because my emotional well-being was seemingly getting better. And I thought my lab markers would start to show what I was feeling internally and externally. And over the next couple of years, I would continue getting labs at least every year. And I would continue to have below normal testosterone for someone my age and thyroid labs that were a mess each time if you were to give those labs to a conventional doctor or any physician, they would say you have Hashimoto's. But I was, I was so conflicted because again, at this time, I had never felt better physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And this was one of the more pivotal gut check moments in my clinical career, not just my life, but my clinical career, where I started to realize these labs are important. Lab work has a place. It's a part of the puzzle, but I don't think it's the main part of the puzzle. How you feel is just as important, if not more important than what any lab marker says. If you take away nothing from this story, if you take away nothing from hearing me blabber, which I appreciate you listening to me blabber, lab work is not the end all be all. From my experience, the more things you run, the more likely you are to find something quote unquote wrong, but that, may, that might just be noise and not an actual signal. If you run enough stuff, you'll find stuff to go down rabbit holes that might be completely unrelated to what was going on. I thought when my lab work came back, I just needed selenium. I was underconverting thyroid. Oh, it was because I was eating gluten, so I was initiating molecular mimicry. You know, I came up with all these fancy mechanisms that all the people in functional medicine were, were shouting and sputing, were spouting off, and they made sense to me, but it just wasn't needed for my healing. Maybe for people out there, and especially I have worked with people who sometimes it is a simple change in our nutritional habits. But for me, it, I needed to do healing with my relationship with food rather than the items of food that I was choosing. And that's a mindset that I try to instill in all the people I work with is let's pay just as much attention to how you feel. We'll continue to use lab work because it still is a part of the puzzle, but it should never triumph the part of the puzzle that is your human body. And no one knows more about your body than you. For me, along the healing journey, there are many ups and seemingly one very prominent down. That was I lost a scholarship. Halfway through graduate school, 
my GPA fell below the threshold and I was informed that I had lost the scholarship. If you're listening, reflect in your own mind, how would you have felt? What would you have said to yourself? Would you have been happy? Would you have been excited? Would you have been scared? Would you have been worried? Would you have just beaten yourself up to, to no end? This was one of the more pivotal gut check moments in my personal life. And I'll never forget this day. Here I go saying this again. I, you know, I have a lot of days that I do forget, but I have a few that I tend to remember. I was, at, I was, in, was in my mom's house. I was home on break, Christmas break. So a whole bunch of family around. It's, it's, it's a great time. And I, I got the email that I had not kept up with the GPA and that my scholarship was being removed. And the first thing I said out loud to myself, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And in that moment, you know what I felt? I felt freeing. I felt like a, a weight was, was physically, spiritually, and emotionally lifted off of me. At least I thought I did. While I was healing my relationship with food and while I returned to school that next trimester after getting the news, I developed debilitating insomnia. I was struggling to chain together two to three hours of sleep at, at night at a time when my academic workload had never been more demanding. I mean, this was the time in school that everybody tells you about in the sense of, oh, you got to hunker down, and this is the last really tough one before you get out the other side and have more free time. And so everyone had built up this hype around how demanding this was going to be, and it really was. And for me to struggle to sleep that much was, it, it took so much out of me. I mean, me mentally, that was the most stressful couple months I think of my entire life. And this insomnia was different from the beginning of the story where I talked about I woke up at 1 a.m. to go to Walmart. I had sort of gotten past that habit, which I was very proud of myself. But this, this kind of insomnia actually hurt a little deeper because I thought I had healed. I thought I was okay. I thought I, you know, I had said out loud, this was the best thing that ever happened to me. I, I tried to really feel that and think that. And I had thought I had dealt with my demons. But it turns out there, to me, insomnia is the textbook manifestation especially when your mind is racing, is the textbook manifestation of some problem, some situation, something you need to address. And then another little event happened in the world. COVID happened <laughs> and we all went online, which honestly was, was the best thing for me. I was really worried about my insomnia, like I said, because I had early morning courses and I, I would self-describe myself as just an early morning person and I would love to go to the gym in the morning. But once everything, and it was a, a real struggle to keep doing these things when I would only get two to three hours a night of sleep. But then when everything went online, there was no more strict time that I had to be up. So if I couldn't fall asleep till 2, 3 a.m. after getting in bed at 10 or 11, I could, I could sleep until 8 a.m. and still be able to function enough, not optimal by any means, but function enough to get my work done. And you might be wondering eventually, you know, what changed with my insomnia? What, what what things took place, what demons did I have to address in order to heal it? And I healed my relationship with my now wife. And I won't get into the specifics of that because that will be things that will be kept between the private matters of us. But it was just, there was some healing that needed to take place with us. There was a lot of uncertainty around the future of our relationship at the time. She had just graduated and was working at a practice. And we were deciding on what life after graduation for us would look like. Would we move to the same state together? Would we open up a practice together? You no, know, very big life decisions. And it was only through having those very deep and sometimes 
not even sometimes, very often incredibly uncomfortable conversations that we were able to solidify the foundations of our relationship. And for me, that was really it on both fronts, on both the binge, binge eating aspect and the insomnia aspect, is I can, I can stand here in front of you. Well, not really in front of you, virtually in front of you or via Spotify or Apple or whatever podcast you listen to. I can stand here audioly in front of you and tell you that I haven't had an episode of binge eating in more than two years. And as you're listening, or as you've been hearing this whole journey about all these ups and downs I went through, you know, you might be wondering, well, what changed other than the things that you already mentioned? Because that was a lot of things to happen to heal relationships. What really, what happened that led you to ultimately address the root cause? That's what functional medicine is all about. And for me, what changed was the platform that I worshiped. The real root cause of, uh, of my IBS, of my Hashimoto's, of my binge eating, wasn't gluten, wasn't heavy metals, wasn't mold, wasn't gut dysbiosis. Those things were likely all happening for sure. But the real root cause was that I was worshiping the wrong platform. I was worshiping my health, my health practices, and my cognitive pursuits, especially in school. I was obsessed with grades, and then when I got the scholarship, that just further amplified my obsession with grades, and I was pursuing those rather than a higher power. And I was labeling foods and health behaviors as morally right or wrong. I was listening to all the people in functional medicine that were saying gluten and dairy will contribute to autoimmunity. You have to go autoimmune paleo. You even have to go carnivore if you want to do all this. I was hearing all these things, and these people were so adamant about that nutritional approach or so adamant about this exercise or so adamant about this type of sleep that it was going to work for everything. And when I couldn't do that, and my brain was getting, hey, gluten's bad, but then I would go binge eat it. Not only was I getting the internal you know, detriments of binge eating the food, but mentally that was a huge leap because I was doing something that mentally I was telling myself was morally wrong. And what I've come to realize about that is it's just like I tell the patients that I work with, is food isn't good or bad. Could we sit here and say, are there foods that are more inflammatory in nature and foods that are more healing in nature? Sure, we, we, could, we could argue conjecture all day long about that. But ultimately, in my view, food is just a signal. It's biochemistry. And it's even more than that. It's, it's who you're eating with. It's how you're eating. What is your mental state while you're eating? And that was something I completely neglected. I would be eating while studying, while trying to cram in material, and I would continue to scarf down food even though it was paleo. And I wasn't creating a safe space around or for food. And really... I thought I was just one supplement or one health hack away from feeling perfect. And as it turns out, I was just a couple of relationships away from healing. And for me, I'm going to say this for the first time on a podcast, it was relationships with my significant other and my relationship with God that were the most healing for me. Is this same root cause, the same root cause for everybody with autoimmunity and IBS? Obviously not. For some people, it is more textbook in that simple nutritional interventions can have huge impacts. For some people with Hashimoto's, it could be gluten flaring things, especially if they feel symptoms when eating it, or it could be sleep hygiene struggles, or it could be needing meditation or more exercise or more strength training or different types of exercise. It could be these more textbook health practices. But for some of us out there, for myself included, it wasn't any one of those that I needed to heal. It was working on the relationships 
and investing in relationships with people and not things and behaviors. But that isn't me saying that I'm going to completely neglect the lab work findings. I think those are still significant, and that's, that's, there's still meaning behind those numbers, and that means something is going on underneath the hood. But I think it, you know, if, if you're looking for a practitioner or you're someone who's wanting to know, hey, what's causing my, my symptoms, what's causing my health to not feel as the way I want it to, there is value and power in lab work. But you need to find someone who can help you understand what that lab work means in the context of how you feel. Because if you take lab work in the wrong context, you'll be led down rabbit holes and led to believe that everything within your home or every environmental chemical or every heavy metal is completely destroying your health. As some people, do we have to go through those extremes? Of course. But that's not everybody. And I think one powerful health intervention, I was just having a conversation with a patient last week about this. He told me that, or this person told me, they felt like they didn't need God and that, or they didn't need religion, which I said, okay. And they told me they felt like they didn't need friends. And I just thought of my own story and it was, it was healing those two relationships that really were so powerful for my healing. And I thought, man, you know, that's, i sometimes I feel as though we put way too much emphasis on the, the textbook X's and O's of nutrition and exercise and, you know, don't consume caffeine within 90 minutes or get light exposure within 30 minutes. And that's all good and well. But sometimes, man, the best thing you can do for your autoimmunity and for your gut issues is, to, is cultivate and develop healthy relationships with a higher power, whatever you choose to be, with people, with your significant other. Because in my view, that's what makes a good life, a, a life where we are spiritually, personally, and professionally fulfilled. Thank you all for trusting me to be a part of your day. If you enjoyed the show and found it informative or entertaining, we invite you to share the love by leaving a five-star rating or review on your podcast platform of choice or by sharing this episode with your family and friends. And until next time, trust in your gut. <laughs>